Hello and welcome to another episode of Are You a Weezer Fan? As always, I'm John, here with Bill. I think after this beer, Hurley might be a good album. The show that brings you the chronological story of Weezer history, music, and lore. Bill, what are we doing? We, John, are here to dissect Weezer in every form, chronologically, album by album. That's going to be a lot to talk about, but I'm really excited. Uh, yeah, this is this is a Weezer show, man. Um, a band that we keep coming back to in all of our discussions because there's just so much to talk about. It seems that if a another band started after 1994, you can bring it back to Weezer somehow. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so we have decided to embark on what is honestly a crazy task and do our damnedest to tell the story of Weezer chronologically, uh, where they fit in pop culture, where their albums stand in our own personal ratings. Uh, it's going to be, a, it's going to be a time. Yeah. And believe it or not, there's Weezer lore. We're going to dive into, they have written their own lore into their albums. And that's part of the reason we need to go through this chronologically. Yes. So, uh, please join us week by week. We're going to be talking, uh, you know, first and foremost, kind of every, you know, chapter of Weezer, if you will, uh, we're going to be talking about one of their studio albums, uh, a listen through of the album, a review of the album, kind of where it sets. Then in weeks after that, we're going to be talking about non Weezer music. We're going to be talking about pop culture at the time. We're going to be talking about Weezer lore, Weezer history, kind of everything surrounding, uh, what is for better or for worse, one of the biggest rock bands of our generation, Bill. We're going to get to the bottom. Is Weezer good? And are you a Weezer fan? Yeah, I'm excited for it. Um, but before we jump into any more, Bill, who are, who are we? Why are, why are we doing this? I mean, we are both big fans of music in general, so we have a lot to bring to the plate, I think, hopefully. And God damn it, if we're not putting our all into Weezer and just really focusing down and doing some research on this. Uh, but... I am a musician. I play bass in a ska band. Not That's not the only music I've played, but I'm bringing some musicality into the discussion here. Yep, and myself, I have no musicality. I do not play, um, but I do work in a somewhat music-adjacent industry that puts me at shows at least three or four nights a week. Um, so I, I would say I'm a at least bigger music fan than a lot just simply because of my proximity to it. Yeah. But yeah. We're, we're not claiming to be experts in any field here. We're just bringing our own take to this. If you don't agree with us on a take, well, too bad, but we're just coming to it with, uh, with what we know and we're going to dissect Weezer to our fullest. Yeah. Well, and speaking of dissecting Weezer to their fullest, I think we just got to start to jump into the boys here. Um, so without further ado, Bill, you Weezer fan? Well, John, I guess let's get into it. Yeah. Um, so I, I think first and foremost, I mean, we have to mention that, that when we talk about Weezer, Weezer is a Rivers Cuomo vehicle. Yes. Um, there are members that have been here since day one. There are members that have popped in later, but Weezer is, is Rivers Yes, you can almost replace the word Weezer and Rivers interchangeably and still tell the same story. Yes. Um, and that's, you know, obviously not a knock to the other guys in the band. It's just, it's, it's his creative vehicle. Um, so, Rivers, history. Uh, born in New York, June 13th, 1970. 
to parents Beverly Schoenberger and Frank Cuomo. Uh, Beverly Schoenberger is pretty hippy dippy, and Frank- which reflects in where they live. <laughs> Yes. Every um, step of the way for Rivers' childhood. Yes. And Frank Cuomo is an Italian-American. He's a big soccer fan, and he is a jazz musician. Um, wow. Yeah, so that, that that's notable. Um, he grew up for the first few years of his life in a Zen center. Kinda, yeah. Yeah, uh, in Rochester, New York. Five years old, his father, Frank Cuomo, leaves the family. And his mother relocates them to uh, Connecticut to a place called Yogaville. Yeah, so they left the they left the Zen Center in Rochester to Yogaville in Connecticut, which is led by it's a Swami from India. It it probably shaped some of his musical um, tastes, as we'll learn later down the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, I I always thought. I always thought it was more of a cult, but really reading into it, it was honestly a yoga-centered ville, if you would. Uh, There was no drugs or alcohol allowed, and you weren't allowed to swear, which is kind of weird. Yeah, I I mean, it shows up in uh, Weezer's music for sure. That's true. They're not a very explicit band. As as well as you can see in River's lyricism, he's not a huge fan of alcohol. Yeah. True. And, uh, John, didn't you tell me that there was some stories with the name Rivers? Uh, Yes. Um, So from everything that I've found, there seems to be kind of uh, a debate. Um, So Rivers uh, could be because when his mom was giving birth, she could hear Rivers from her hospital room. Lord. Or because it was in uh, Manhattan, New York, which is between uh, the... East and Hudson Rivers. I don't um, like that. I don't want to be named after things around me when I'm born. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Father Frank Cuomo uh, cites it as there were a couple, a uh, few guys on the 1970 Italian World Cup team. Um, you know, like a Rivera, a Riviera, or like, <laughs> oh, you know, names like that. Uh, so he was named Rivers after those couple. Uh, River. Jeez. Wow. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, I'm not 100% sure what the answer is. I'm not sure anybody is, but, um, but I, I don't think I like either one. No, I that, that sucks, wanna, man. I don't want to be named after any of those things. Well, and then so uh, the weird thing that happened, too, is the cult moved away from them. In 1980, Yogaville relocated to Virginia. Yes. And when that happened, um, Mother Beverly keeps the Cuomo kids in Connecticut. Um, and at that point, it they kind of stop living the Zen Center, uh, Yogaville type lifestyle. Yeah, is is that about the time uh, Rivers' biological father took off? Right? No, he left in seventy five. Uh, so the move from the Rochester Zen Center to Yogaville was after Dad leaves. Okay. okay. Uh, so Yogaville was actually with uh, stepdad, if I remember correctly. Got it. So the start of uh, Rivers' daddy issues. Kind of starts around 1975. Yes. So at this point, they are staying in Connecticut, and Rivers is just, you know, going to school, growing up a kid. Uh, he became a soccer fan because of his dad. He really wanted to play, but it always hurt because he's got a, the weird condition where one of his legs was just a couple inches shorter than the other. Yeah, it's, it's why. I, I don't know, because there's like no pre... 
I mean, there's probably some pictures floating around, but... Oh, yeah, because he has the problem all the way through uh, blue and pink, Pinkerton, right? Yeah, uh, he, does, he doesn't get it corrected until uh, after the blue album. That's He's, just such a crazy condition to grow up with. Yeah, um, and especially as a kid that grew up playing sports and loving playing sports, I cannot imagine if there was just something that, like, you know, seemingly kind of minor like that, but also massively, you know, a, a massive hindrance to trying to just do what you want to fucking do as a kid. Right. That sucks. But, I mean, I guess that did kind of drive him into playing music and picking up guitar. And it was in high school where he formed a band with, uh, was it in high school or right after when he formed a band? I think it was in high school because these guys moved kind of later. But, yeah, um, either way, you know, teenager, um, definitely young adults at most. um, Mm -hmm. They form a hair metal band, uh, avant-garde. 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 Yeah, no, um, of all the Weezer side projects we've listened to during um, research for this, probably my least favorite. Oh, what? Yeah. Um, oh, it's rocking. Uh, yeah, Rivers and his friend uh, Justin Fisher started the group. Justin later went on to join Nerf Herder, the punk band, and they recruited Kevin Riddle and his brother and Brian Much. And uh, Kevin Riddle actually went in to start AM radio later in life, too. Oh, all right. Yeah. But so Avant-Garde thinks they're going to be the next big hair metal thing. And uh, to, to do so, <laughs> you have to go to L.A. But, but Bill. What? Isn't it like 1990-ish at this point? Well. Aren't we, <laughs> aren't we kind of past the hair metal scene? So they get to L.A. and they think they're just going to walk in like all the other. They're going to be the next rat even. they're not. I don't think they're trying to be the biggest thing, but. Hey, if Rat can make it, anybody can make it. So they get there. That's and a good way to think about life. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, because, you know, Guns N' Roses, 90 is like, 1990, they're the biggest thing in the world. But it's the decline of the genre. Uh, they get to L.A. They change their name to Zoom. I don't know why. I thought they, I guess they thought that would help. Yeah. Um, it, it didn't. But, they, yeah. In 1990, uh, Avant-Garde decides to break up. Rivers stays in LA though. Yeah, uh, a lot of the other guys do head back to their former lives in Connecticut. Um, you know, with Justin Fisher and Kevin Riddle, um, obviously do go on to do some other things in the music community, but some of the other guys just fall off. Um, at this point, Rivers is living in LA. Importantly, he takes a job at Tower Records. Yes, he's, that is. he's just selling records, um, and this is a big deal for him because he is just eating up everything that he possibly can. Um, and something that's very big for him at this time is he becomes a huge, huge Nirvana fan. As, as everyone did. Uh, right. Um, you know, it's the early nineties. And again, it's the thing that killed hair metal that he wanted to do. <laughs> yes. So he does somewhat shift gears as a musician. Um, yes. As heard in, uh, he starts another band in 1991 called Fuzz. Fuzz. I like Fuzz. Fuzz yeah, fun. Well, yeah, Fuzz has a little bit more of that grungy indie sound. Um, and he, he forms it with uh, Scotty Chapman, who actually is on some episodes of Mythbusters. Yeah, no, she's fun. Um, yeah, she's the uh, kind of like white blonde hair. Yeah, like that yep. platinum uh, bleached hair. And yes, yes. Seems like a cool chick. And she was uh, on bass with Rivers. And they had a drummer, as bands do. Uh, yes, Mr. Patrick Wilson. Um, Patrick Wilson is another 
or sorry, another member of Weezer that has been here from the beginning. Yes, he might be our second most important person down this uh, down this road. At least in the band. We're going to get to a very important non-band person. Um, but yeah, Patrick Wilson, um, Weezer drummer from the beginning. Born in New York, February 1st, 1969. Um, not too much on him. He, yeah. he eventually gets to L.A. It is interesting. They were both born in New York and then got together in L.A. Yeah, absolutely. Um, actually, a lot of this band kind of is has some East Coast roots. Yeah, just um, makes their way out there, I guess. Yeah. So they, he's in L.A. Uh, he's in Fuzz. He's also in another band, uh, 60 Wrong Sausages, another band that's happening in 1991. Um, he's with, uh, Jason Cropper, who we'll get to in a moment. He's also with, uh, this guy, Pat Finn and Pat Finn has never actually been in Weezer, but he just seems to be one of these guys throughout all our research. Like he just knew everybody yeah. in, in, in the band and seems to have brought everybody together in different side projects and such. Yeah. Um, and well, what I think is interesting too about, um, our other Pat, Patrick Wilson, is in every music community, even in 1991, if you were a drummer, you are in multiple bands because everybody needs a drummer. Patrick Wilson, he's drumming for Fuzz. He's drumming for 60 Wrong Sausages. Um, 60 Wrong Sausages does eventually actually pick up rivers. Yes, that's true. We get there um, We get there pretty quick because Pat and Finn are the other members in 60 Wrong Sausages. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Pat Finn and Jason Cropper are the other members of 60, 60 Wrong Sausages. And uh, um, Jason isn't in Weezer for very long. Like we said, Patrick Wilson's our other mainstay. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jason gets helps with part of getting everybody together. Because in 60 Wrong Sausages, um, eventually Pat Finn leaves. And Pat Finn gets replaced with Matt Sharp. Yes, Matt Sharp plays on the first two Weezer albums, Blue and Pinkerton. Um, he is added to 60 Wrong Sausages, and he's actually living with Patrick Wilson um, at this time. So at this point, we've got Patrick Wilson, Matt Sharp, and Jason Cropper as 60 Wrong Sausages. Uh with Matt and Patrick living together. They decide to add Rivers to this band because he owned an 8-track. You know, that'll do it, man. <laughs> you got to get your demos out there somehow. Right? Like, hey, you kind of... I know this guy. He shreds. He writes some music. But best of all, he's got an in-home studio. We well, can record some <laughs> fucking music. Well, yeah. I mean, just that 8-track alone is kind of what gets us to uh, Weezer because um, 60 Wrong Sausages kind of just dissolves but it turns into what Rivers calls the 50-song project. Yes. So these guys are all kind of working on 60 Wrong Sausages. They start writing some different shit. And 60 Wrong Sausages, uh, they had some, like, jazzy fusion jam stuff. Um, So they they were doing some uh, really just exploring uh, their musical styles and feels. Um, Yeah. And that led into the 50-song project where... Rivers and Patrick Wilson wanted to sit down and didn't want to play any shows or do anything else but until they wrote and recorded 50 songs. Yeah, they wanted to demo out 50 songs. And in this 50 songs, they started to write Weezer songs. Yes. 
They never got to 50 songs. I think they got <laughs> they to didn't. 29. I think they got to the two or three Weezer songs and they went, oh, hey, this, is, this might be something. Yeah, I think once they wrote <laughs> The World Is Turned, they were just like, oh, okay, I think we found it. Um, yeah, but so right now we are at the actual starts of Weezer. Yes. Um, yeah, but these guys don't even know it yet because they're just a couple guys playing some shows and... Uh, well, I mean, trying not even to play some shows until they've written some songs, but now they've written, I think, Undone and the World Has Turned, and that's all they needed, and they're just like, yeah, yeah, no, let's let's get these out there. Uh, they get out to do a show, um, supposedly opening, but they end up headlining and playing after a band called Dogstar. Yes, um, so Dogstar has kind of had a spotlight recently because they have reformed, but uh, Dogstar consists of... Keanu Reeves on bass is the most important part here. I don't think we really even need to get into everyone else, but no, it's Keanu yeah. Reeves is a alty grunge band. And yeah, they were supposed to open. And as happens when you're out playing, sometimes the turnout of people, they switch around lineups and they say, Hey band that nobody's ever heard of, you're going on last. And that's how you end up deadlining with dog star. Speaking of band that we've never heard of, how do we introduce you on stage? How do we introduce who on stage? This band that doesn't have a name. Oh, God. <laughs> Don't do that. That's headlining for Dogstar. Confuse the hell. <laughs> yes, Weezer's, Weezer doesn't have a name now. They're not a, They're not Weezer yet. Yeah. Uh, but again, Rivers is Weezer, and Weezer is Rivers. And why is Rivers a Weezer, John? That's in, what his dad called him as a toddler. Um and apparently it wasn't about being like a snotty wheezy kid. It was like it's not like asthma. <laughs> wasn't he actually wheezing? I, I hope that was it, but <laughs> I, I don't know. But you know, e- either way, uh, Weezer was a nickname that uh, Frank Cuomo used to call his son Rivers when he was just, just a little kid. Again, it's just um, his dad. His dad's just beating him down, man. Right. And then when he's put on the spot at this show of just like, oh, like what's your guys' name? And it wasn't even like a week before the show when they booked it. It was at the fucking show, from what I understand. Uh, What's your guys' name? Uh, uh, Weezer. (laughs) And thus is the official birth of one of the biggest rock bands of our generation, Bill. (sighs) Yeah. All right, so now that Weezer exists, has been born into the universe for better or for worse, uh, there are some very important side characters uh to the story that we need to introduce that's Uh, true there are people that aren't in this band that are very important to this band uh first and foremost being um who he's been described as the honorary fifth member of the band he is the entire reason that we are able to put on this show because of the work that he has done uh friend of the pod (laughs) you wish carl cook uh he he's been there uh, from the beginning with 60 Wrong Sausages, yes? Yeah, so 60 Wrong Sausages, all all they did, they had seven rehearsals in the year 1991. So all that member changing happened real quick. But Carl is really good friends with Pat Finn. Okay, and he he's that guy that kind of introduced everyone. Right, that's why Pat Finn, Pat Finn was kind of that middle point of bringing all these people together. And he also brought Carl for those first 60 Wrong Sausages practices. Okay. Um, and he starts doing what Carl does from 
day one and he's still here with Weezer, he records fucking everything. Everything. He writes about everything. Everything. Uh, Weezer has got to be, without a doubt, the most documented rock band of our generation. And it is, it's Carl. Yeah. Um, they have their own, not just a really robust (laughs) Wikipedia page, but an incredibly robust Weezerpedia, their own website in which every single show they have ever played is documented. Every recording, every demo. Uh, well that brings us to, uh, so Carl's there for every 60 wrong, uh, rehearsal and uh, Carl's there for 50 song project. And Carl is there for the first Weezer demo in May 1992. Yes. A uh, few tracks on this one. Um, do any any from demo one actually make it to Weezer albums? Isn't uh, We get we get The World Has Turned and Left Me Here is the oh. only one that makes it out. As well it should have. I mean, that's a 50-song project song. Um, it, yeah, well, it's it's well, one, of, one of the first Weezer tracks that was ever written and recorded. and. Well, Damn. And what's interesting is, um, so there's three tracks on this demo, and uh, Undone isn't on it. The sweater song's not there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is because they did try to record it, and it just, they just kind of fell apart and didn't get all, uh, it seems like they just got two tracks done. They got the drums and the bass done. Okay. And then just walked away from it? I don't know what happened. Uh, which seems weird, because, I mean, obviously we know Undone, the sweater song, is one of Weezer's biggest hits. Yeah, um, but they only made 10 cassette copies of this and kind of passed them around because they they weren't too happy with it. And you can't find recordings of this one either. Yeah. Um, as much as we tried, um, if those 10 cassettes exist and if any of those 10 cassette holders is somehow listening to this, um, <laughs> I will give you the naming rights to my firstborn child that I'm unlikely to ever have. But just let me listen to that tape once. Got it. Um. Yeah, so they record demo one. Yeah, and they're playing shows during this time, too. So we're knocking out demos. We're playing shows. Uh, our first monumental one was the Dog Star one. That's our first show. Yep. Um, our next important show introduces two of our other side characters here. On July 9th, 1992, Weezer played a show that Michael and Carly Allen attended. Yes, um, and these girls' sisters, uh, they were not here to see Weezer. They were there to see, who were the other bands on this one? It was, it was uh, <laughs> okay. Wayne, it was... Uh, All right, they were here to see either Wayne, Loungefly, or 12 and Counting. Okay. And I hate all of those band names. They're all bad. Yeah. I, I, like, I, I think you get better band names if you like do any combinations. I like Wayne Loungefly. Wayne Loungefly. I like Loungefly 12 and counting. Uh, fair. Um, I like Wayne 12 and counting. But <laughs> <laughs> well, And according to the flyer, Weezer was headlining this show, so I guess they, uh, they decided to stick around for the, uh, for the night. They saw Weezer perform. Yeah, uh, and they were fans. They, they dug the sound. They liked the band. Um, yeah, and these these girls end up going to like a, a birthday party the next day. Um, yeah, some some sort of function where they run into the band that they saw the night before, Weezer, and befriend uh, our our man Rivers. Yeah, um, Michael and Carly become very fast friends with Rivers as well as the rest of the band, and they're they're around. Yes, um, they're they're gonna form the first Weezer fan club, which is gonna start 
just about this time, um, they start the fan club and they'll start to do some work with that for the blue album, which we'll get into uh, for our blue album episode. Yeah, their contributions really come in more kind of during the recording and the release stage of blue. Uh, so we will absolutely be coming back to these girls, but yeah. um, they're they're huge Weezer fans. They start the fan club um and they're just they seem like fucking excellent people yeah and i mean with how much they promoted this band we might not be where we are right now without them if they didn't do the promotion the legwork for weezer that they did weezer might not have done what weezer did i completely agree it really cannot be understated the importance of these side characters in michael and carly as well as carl um they're, they're, they're just they're hugely, hugely important in making Weezer what they are. Yeah, it, it is really something. But, well, again, so they're knocking out demos. Uh, in August, they record the Kitchen Tape demo, which uh, ended up being, most of it's featured on the Blue Deluxe re-release. So you can hear some yes. of, most of these on Spotify. Yeah, we miss out on... Um Let's sew our pants together. That still has not made it to Spotify, to my knowledge. Yeah, um, but you get John's favorite song, Paperface. Paperface. <laughs> yeah. Um. Honestly, Paperface. It's it's one of the best Weezer songs that has never made an official Weezer album. And go listen to it. Uh, but we we uh we do start to see um some uh Weezer classics that they were already performing. They performed at their first show actually. Um, Only in Dreams is on here. Say it ain't so. My name is Jonas. Like, they really had the groundwork very quickly after that 50-song project for what Weezer was going to sound like. Yeah. Uh, once they started to hammer it out, they were really able to... I mean, the these demos that they put out were essentially just the Blue Album. Um, yeah. And they really started to crank, like, just cranked out these demos because November 4th, uh, they recorded their third demo, which is just called Third Demo. It's very similar to Kitchen Tape, just slightly better sound quality... And they're just getting these circulated. They're playing shows nonstop. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Michael and Carly um, are starting to spread the word about Weezer, um, just nonstop to everybody. And uh, well, so Bill, it's it's late 1992, early 1993, mind yes. you. This is a time in which um, guitar rock is exploding because every label ever. It wants to try to sign the next Nirvana. Yes. In 1991, punk punk broke, quote unquote, and that just meant alternative music with heavy guitars, which with their acoustic guitar, uh, Weezer does prominently feature heavy guitars and mm -hmm. guitar solos. Yeah. It, everything was working out well. They had a good sound. They had a really good team behind them. Uh, they were playing shows, they were writing music, and the musical climate was just fucking right to sign this band with three demos, maybe, maybe 20, 25 shows under their belt. Yeah. Uh, they get signed to Geffen, June 25th, 1993. That's the Weezer story, uh, leading up to Blue. Yeah. Well, leading up to the recording of Blue. Right. Um... It's a big Weezer story. There's a lot. There's there's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of people involved. Some some of the people we've told you about are going to leave very quickly. Some of them are going to be here for the next thirty years. 
speaking of which, um, there is one thing that we did not hit on. Uh, at one of these shows leading up to the Geffen signing, uh, Rivers meets a gentleman named uh, by the name of Brian Bell at a show. That name will come up later. Right. Some people we didn't mention will be here for 30 years. But it's um, just, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of... A lot of people are in and out, and a lot, a lot of people stick around. Yeah. Um, but holy shit. Yeah. I mean, that whole, like, all of 1991 seems so vital, but seems like everything happened so fast. So, so quickly. Um, yeah. Like, they go, <laughs> collectively, they go through, like, four bands, switch out members in all of them, and just through all of that, we end up with Weezer. But, I mean, obviously no project that you've ever been in has been Weezer big. Um, but as a musician, couldn't you say that like at one point in time you were in a few different bands that had revolving doors of members and yeah, right. Absolutely. And like I was saying with the drummers, like it makes sense that Patrick Wilson's and all these bands, it makes sense that these guys went through a bunch of different bands. It's like the most interesting thing I think is that Rivers jumped genres so quickly. Like he went from a full on hair metal band into like indie grunge. Yeah. While also somehow maintaining this kind of like old school, lighthearted rock and roll feel. Yeah. Like it's, it's weird. It's Weezer. That's how we get here. <laughs> yeah. That's what we're here to figure out. Yeah. Um, it's almost like this band is kind of a weird amalgam of uh, like Kiss. Nirvana, maybe somebody like the Beach Boys. Nice segue, John. I know, right? Uh, so <laughs> when when we do our album by album uh, talks, we're going to do the history of the recording of them, and we're going to listen to all the songs, and we're going to talk about all the songs, and you at home can listen along. So as kind of a way to get that into this episode, we're going to listen to some songs that inspire Rivers, uh, most of which are from an interview where he said these are some of his favorite songs. Yep, and then we're shoehorning some Beach Boys in uh, based off of, I believe it was a TikTok that I saw recently um, where he listed Pet Sounds by the Beach Boys as one of his most influential albums. Uh, but honestly, if you've been alive in the United States in the last 60 <laughs> years, if Pet Sounds is not one of your most influential albums, uh, I don't think you've listened to Pet Sounds. Yeah, that is something interesting. Like Nirvana and Beach Boys are definitely, like and, and Kiss, like these are such popular things rivers really does just take in what the most popular thing is and make it his own and we will absolutely <laughs> be hitting on that in yep. probably every single episode yep. we make of this show um but you know i digress uh should we jump in with bill yeah let's let's, uh, let's do some music let's uh, spin a track yeah uh first up for you we've got i want you by kiss listed by rivers as one of his favorite songs Hey, that's surprisingly kicked ass. The only thing I hated about that was the fact that it faded out. Just end your song, but that was fun. <laughs> that's what you were waiting for. That was, that was just a good time. It's like, where's John? Yeah, that rule, dude. Damn. And I, there's also a, 
There's like this jingly guitar part, jingly guitar part at the beginning that I'm just like, oh, hello, my name is Jonas. Yeah, like, and then they bring it back near the end. Um, wow. All right. Um, well, I'm shocked. I have not ever really given Kiss the time of day. I mean, for the most part, you don't need to, but they have like 30 albums, so there's bound to be something good in there, right? Yeah, that was fun. That was a good time. That was a good riff, and definitely Rivers' like guitar like solo style comes from Ace Freely and uh, Paul Stanley. Like that's that was spot on Weezer solos. Yes. Um yeah, well, the influence there was obvious. Yeah, kind of uh, slapped you across the face. Huh. Wow. Well, Rivers left the world to kiss though when uh, a certain band dropped an album called Nevermind. And Nirvana, like it did to the whole genre, just killed off hair metal and squealy guitar solos. Yes. Um, Rivers had, I mean, Zoom avant-garde had broken up. Hair metal was on its way out. Um, Move over bands like Guns N' Roses and hello bands like Nirvana and Pearl Jam. Yeah. Um, Well, what's interesting, too, is... um, I guess we don't know if this has always been his favorite Nirvana song, but the song he listed, uh, Sliver, isn't off of an album. It's off of a, a compilation and came out in 1990. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, he was working at the record store, so he probably was picking up these B-sides and comps and stuff. Makes sense, but yeah, should we listen to uh, Sliver? Yeah, Sliver by Nirvana. Let's get into it. You notice how that song ended? <laughs> well, I got bad news about the Beach Boys song we're going to hear. Yeah. It's going to fade out, too. That was solid. Uh, you can really tell the the what Rivers took away from Nirvana, I feel like, with that song. Yeah. Um, the, the lyrics are like a little story, personal, and the, again, quiet, loud dynamic that uh, Nirvana, the Pixies, Weezer all have. It's all right there. It's all right there. Uh, interestingly enough about Nirvana and the future of Rivers as a songwriter, rock star, um, he, he's a mad scientist. We'll, we'll absolutely get into more of this, uh, but he's formulaic. And uh, even back in the early 90s, you know, leading up to Weezer, he had a notebook in which he had just completely dissected everything that Nirvana had ever done. And he was attempting to, to, you know, somewhat like if I can find their formula to a perfect rock song, then I can mess with it to make my formula for my perfect rock song. And he's been doing that, not just with Nirvana, but with music and pop culture uh, forever. Is, Is that what Weezer is just Frankenstein's monster? That's why it's just parts of other things chopped and put back together. And I mean, like, you could say that about most music and most pop culture, but, like, mm-hmm. once we get into some later albums, uh, Rivers just straight up takes parts off of things. It's not like he got the idea for an arm. He went and chopped someone's arm off and then put it on his monster. Yeah. 
because like, oh, that's a nice arm. I've got a really good idea for that. Yeah. And he, he does. He's got a really good idea for that arm. Interesting. Maybe there's a metaphor we need to keep going along the way. We'll yeah. S- we'll see. Okay. Um, wow. Well, who are we stealing a toe from now, Bill? Well, let's take uh, some Sloop John B by the Beach Boys. So obviously, there's there's tons of Weezer in there. Yes. Um, from the guitar parts to the vocal melodies and harmonies to um, really I, fucking everything. Yeah. The, the, the most impactful thing to me there and the biggest takeaway that I got, at least on that listen, um, was the drumming. Oh, yeah. Just so, so simple, but so impactful and where it needed to be. And that is that that feels like a very Pat Wilson style to me. Yeah, um, I feel like this song, and I guess most of Pet Sounds, it shows up most in Only in Dreams, and that was one of the first songs they had. And just the again the way it builds up, I feel like Rivers probably learned how to do that from the Beach Boys. Well, and something actually that the band practiced doing during the Fifty Song Project, and I mean we'll get into it more during the recording of Blue. Um, was like barbershop quartet oh, yes, exercises. Yes, we uh, we missed that in high school. Rivers was in a barbershop quartet. Yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah, no, it all comes back. There's a lot with this band, Bill. Man, Beach Boys, Beach Boys are great. Yeah, that was. Whew, those are those are three good songs. We listened to some good music today. Yeah, that was solid. Goddamn, it's a good way to end this uh, this uh, prepisode, this presode. Yeah. Um, I mean, anything else we got to do before we wrap this up? I don't think so. I think we we got everybody primed and set up for what's going to be the recording of the Blue Album and the release of the Blue Album. It's uh, it's a weird path, and I think we did the best we could getting it uh, in a straight line. Yeah, I think so as well. Um, if you're still with us, thank you, and we hope to see you uh, for more episodes on this insane jer- journey of being a Weezer fan, I, yeah, it's uh, there's a lot of ups and downs, and it's uh, I mean, I guess it's a big question. Yeah, um, so I I do want to just set up a one segment that we're going to be talking about uh, every single episode when we actually do a Weezer album and update that timeline is where do they stand right now in the biggest rock band in America. Oh, yes, and the zeitgeist of yes. uh, music. So we're ending this episode on June 25th, 1993 when they sign with Geffen Records. So they're at the we're at the level of a fairly large rock band in the 90s in California. Yeah, um I guess fairly large unsigned, which probably puts them getting signed to Geffen probably puts them on the top of where all the pop punk bands are at this time as well. So currently they're probably as, as is going to happen again and again, they're probably on par with green day at this time. Dookie hasn't come out yet and major labels are trying to get green day. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're going to put them on par with green day. Definitely way behind Nirvana. 
uh, Foo Fighters don't exist yet. Correct. Um, okay, we're, so we'll check in on that uh, after after Blue. All right, I love that. I, th- I think we're good to go. This is a good setup, John. All right, yeah, I feel I feel good about that. Obviously, we're going to hit these seconds. Um, but, Bill, before we get out of here, I got I got one one question for you. What's that, John? You a Weezer fan? 